Hey bosses, this week's episode is sponsored by the all-new FreshBooks. Find out more about them later in the show or check out freshbooks.com slash travel. Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Achievement unlocked. Uh, can you say welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast in Russian? Добро пожаловать на подкаст «Путешествуй как босс». Спасибо. Пожалуйста. Should we do this episode in Rushka? Rushki? Ruski. Ruski. We can. Yeah, okay, let's do it. I'm up for it. Привет, мой другс. Я Жонни ФД, бизнесмен. Это моя друга Анастасия Ванкова. Welcome. Not bad. Is it? Спасибо. <laughs> so guys, welcome to episode 181 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here with Anastasia Vankova, who's actually from Indiana, probably the most American town in America. <laughs> well, um, I'm actually from Russia. I moved to the United States in 2010, so not too long ago. Lived most of my life in Russia. Um, moved to California and then out of all places, I moved to Russiaville, Indiana. <laughs> That's where my husband is from. So now I'm from Indiana. And so is Russiaville just filled with expat Russian people living there and they decided <laughs> to name the town Russiaville? <laughs> I wish. No, it's like a field uh, with like a maximum 1500 people, maybe a thousand. Very rural Indiana and I'm probably the only Russian person there. And everyone that you meet in Indiana, when you say you're from Russiaville, do they laugh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of jokes, especially at the post office. Okay, because <laughs> this isn't like Indianapolis. This is like small town. Very small. Indiana. Yeah. We are close to um, like 15 min minutes away from a town that is about 40,000 people. And then probably like one hour from Indianapolis. So Russiaville is a small town of 40,000 people. Why did you guys move there? Uh, my husband is from Rusheville. They call it Rusheville, not Rusheville, even though it's Poles that way. Um, so his entire family lives probably like within a mile of each other. It's really nice that they're all together. And the business is there also where my husband works currently. Okay, cool. So the e-commerce store, the dropshipping store is just yours? Or does your husband help you with it? It's just mine. Wow, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm the only one who runs it. And that was my way to escape the 9 to 5. I was working... In that family business, it's construction as a bookkeeper, secretary, you know, doing kind of everything, paperwork for over four years, I think close to five. And I was getting, you know, really bored with it. And I wanted to escape the Indiana weather sometimes also. And it was kind of boring there. Yeah, it's cold there, especially in the winter, right? It It's four seasons. Yeah, it, get, it can get colder. So I wanted that flexibility um, to travel and live anywhere you want. Okay, that's cool. I like that. So why like, why did you actually move to the U.S. in the first place? And how did you meet Erin? Uh, well, back when I was in college, um, there is this exchange program. It's called J-1. J-1 uh, visa, it's the name of the visa. So it's for students. And I think it's, it goes up to 35 years old. Um, you can apply. And what it gives you is for the summer, you can go to the States, work, and travel. So it's pretty much like a work visa, temporary. And you have to have a job offer when you go there. So I wanted to learn English, 
but my family could not afford to send me to you know a different country study or whatever it's expensive so this was an opportunity for me to go by myself support myself and potentially pay them back which i was going to work more but i went to california and <laughs> did not i traveled a lot so that summer i met my husband and i came back for the next summer and we continued dating and decided to get married and i stayed Oh, that's cool. So, mm-hmm. so you met him out in California, or yep, okay. in San Diego. And he was like, "Yeah, come, come, let's get married. Let's move to Indiana. It's just like San Diego." <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't trick me that way. Um, my condition was, "I will, you know, we'll get married, and I'll stay with you if we live in San Diego. So you have to move." And he did, which his entire family probably hates me for that. But he did move. So Aaron just walked in the door. Let's have him tell the story about moving to San Diego and how you guys ended up in Indiana. <laughs> I moved out to moved out to California for one year. Uh, I wasn't making the most money. I was just doing uh, working at a hotel, doing uh, maintenance work, and my family owns an excavation company back home in Indiana. So I had an opportunity to make a lot more money. So the original plan was to go back to Indiana, make some money, save some money. And uh, try to get back out west, California, somewhere out west. And what, six years later, five years later, we're still stuck in Indiana. Well, at least we're not stuck. Not stuck now. Yeah, we're <laughs> getting to do a lot. We've done a lot of traveling since we've been in Indiana. So we were making pretty good money. And uh, working in the family business allowed me to kind of leave whenever I wanted to leave to go on vacation. And she likes to travel a lot. So do I. So we've been a lot of different places and done a lot of traveling since then. So... Now here we are in Spain, Canary mm-hmm. Islands. Yeah, thanks for that. And yeah, you're right. You, you guys aren't stuck in the Indiana winter. You guys are out here. We, we in, in were Grand stuck Canary. though for about three years. First when we moved, uh, we started out living above the garage at the, at the at his parents' house because you know we thought it's really temporary. We we're gonna make some money and move back to California. But then um, we ended up buying a house in Indiana because it was such a good deal. <laughs> it's super cheap. But we put a lot of money in, we bought all the new stuff um, because we wanted everything now. And we got into a lot of debt. Like besides mortgage, we bought, you know, everything on the credit card, appliances, new furniture, I mean, everything. Do you think that's a trap that a lot of people our age fall into where we see the dream house on TV, on HDTV or our, you know, everyone else we see somehow magically has these perfect houses that aren't you know just perfect from outside but like you know it looks like the inside of a showroom and we just assume well if everyone else has this and this is what we see on tv then why shouldn't we have it yes i think so and then um it is so easy to get credit card or uh, a loan at the bank so a lot of people fall into the trap of spending way more than they make without even realizing it because for the longest time, I had no idea how much money we are actually making and how much money we are actually spending, like on the necessity, let's say, you know, shelter, food and things like that, or extra stuff. Like, where, where is it all going? I had no idea. And that's that's the biggest mistake. And then overall, you think, well, you know, I'll put it on the credit card, I'll pay it off later. And then the next thing comes up, the next thing comes up. And then we wanted to travel also. So we put vacations on the credit card. And then one day we found ourselves with a new house, new car and everything and so many payments that we couldn't cover them. Like it was so stressful. And yeah, and it was about almost 70,000 
Oh. $70,000 in debt. Mm -hmm. Is that just credit card debt or is that like a mortgage too? It was credit card and it was uh, equity line because initially when we bought a house, it was like a foreclosure and the grandparents, our grandparents helped to pay for it. It was $30,000. Well, by the time we renovated the house and converted construction loan into mortgage, the mortgage amount was not enough to pay them back. And we were only we were able to pull 15000 out of equity and pay them. It was at 5%, I think. And we still owed them another fifteen. So that was 30000 a decent chunk that was there. And then the rest, the 40000 were credit cards. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough situation like to be in. 7000 in Best Buy. 10000 10. in Best Buy. And, and that's the, what, for like appliances and TVs and things like that? Yeah. 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 Man, but you know what? I I can see why that that happens. Like, I think from a kind of bird's eye view looking back, I was also in that same kind of matrix where you know I was like, well, of course I should have a new TV. Everyone else I know has a new TV, yeah. or you know I see all these commercials for it, and you know, yeah, they, you know they gave me all these credit cards. I should use it. Mm -hmm. And it's not until we like step away from this world, or even that we start our own business and we start forcing ourselves to do accounting that we actually yeah. realize. Hey, this is this isn't good financial sense. Yeah, for me it was like just getting into that really bad place was the wake up call, and I started searching for answers and I found Dave Ramsey, and that really helped me. Like, okay, well here's how you do the budget, how you figure out how much you actually owe because I had no idea, you know. And, and did you actually take his course or did you just watch his videos? Oh, uh, I listened to his podcast. And he has, he explains it pretty straightforward. There is a, his system is debt snowball, which when you just pretty much just list all your loans, credit cards, everything on the spreadsheet and, and you start with the smallest amount. It doesn't matter what the, what the interest is. And you pay that first one, the smallest one first. And then whatever payment you were making on that, you roll it over to the next one. So on the next, and, and you keep making minimum payments on everything. So you're current. But then once you get rid of the first, the smallest one, you add that number to the next one. Then you get rid of two, you add that growing number to the next one. So the ball keeps rolling and then eventually it speeds up the payout. You know, that makes sense from, I guess, a lot of it to me would be like a psychological thing. Right? Like, oh, we're getting yeah. rid of yeah. these debts. Yeah. But it's interesting that he tells you not to pay off the ones with the highest interest rate first. Well, why is that? Do you know? It's it's psychology because yeah. you want because if you have this huge amount of debt at the highest interest rate, you and you try to make your payments but they don't get you anywhere. You know you don't see any progress and you give up eventually. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And what's crazy is I have a friend in in Canada. She's probably the exact same situation as you. She's just got married recently. She has all this credit card debt now. She had her debt from the wedding itself and i was like how do people get into all this debt but it's so common and that's why his show has you know what mi probably millions of viewers because that many people are in debt yeah yeah i mean i was reading a book somewhere i don't know i think it's like, the number is super high it's 80 or 90 percent of americans yeah that's insane so at so you found in ramsey you how long did it take you to pay off the, that debt um 20 months that's it. Mm -hmm. $70,000. We had uh, somehow along the way, I totaled our car. 
I got in a bad accident and our brand new car was completely gone. So insurance covered that and we ended up buying exact same model, just a couple of years older and for cash, we paid off the loan and just having that extra $700 that we paid on the car loan, we rolled it over on the next payments and it just started the ball rolling it and it gave us, you know, more excitement to keep, keep doing it. And yeah, it sped up the process big time because originally when I calculated it, it was supposed to be like three years. Wow. So thankfully that, you know, you're safe and it wasn't too bad of like injury or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it was almost kind of like a godsend that 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 car got totaled because you had the money to pay off. It literally happened like a a week, I want to say, after we even talked about the budget and doing that snowball and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was very, very serendipitous. You know, what's crazy is if you didn't decide that week before to start saving money and follow the system you probably would have had a different mindset when that car got totaled. Yeah. You might have been you know, been angry that this car got totaled. And then if anything, maybe you would have thought, well, you know, I have this money now. Let's buy an even more expensive car. Right. Exactly. I think that would happen. I don't know. Yeah, or the same yeah. one. What, what car was it? Uh, it was Subaru Legacy, like brand new. Right. Very nice car. And I think that's what happens is like people – you know, they start with whatever car, let's say the BMW 1 Series, and the next time, they're like, I don't want another 1 Series, I want a 3 Series this time. Mm-hmm. And then the next mm-hmm. time, they're like, oh, well, my lease is up, or it's been four years, let me get the 5 Series, then they want the 7 Series, and yep. just keeps going higher and higher. Yeah, it's just, it sucks you in, and you always compare yourself to your peers, and uh, you try to keep up with the Johnsons, and you buy stuff you don't need, and end up being in debt. It's... Pretty sad what's going on. And a lot of people don't realize that what they're doing is just trying to be somebody they're not. Like they're not making enough money, but they are buying Louis Vuitton, you know. And that's actually a lot of Russians do. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a mentality <laughs> to just show off. You probably don't have that, but hey, let me put it on the credit card. Well, it was probably very similar in Ukraine when I was there this summer for a couple of months. I would meet guys or girls in Louis Vuitton in really expensive clothes and handbags. And I was like, man, this person is probably so much richer than me. Mm-hmm. They just look like, it, you know, yep. they're showing yep. up in a brand new car. And I was probably a little bit underdressed, to be honest. I probably shouldn't have been in like shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> but, you know, I was looking and I was like, man, like this person is probably so rich. But in reality, and I'm sure there's, you know, there are, you know, people, right, yeah. you know, doing corrupt stuff or you know maybe they have a good business but whatever it is but i'm willing to bet that there's a lot of them that are just posing you know or spending all their money or maybe even going to debt to try to look that way Mm -hmm. for you know to keep up with the joneses or to impress others or you know for whatever reason yeah yeah same stuff happens in the states with the housing and cars i think just and people don't realize how deep they are into that. Well, it was great that you found it and, and you dug yourself out. So what was the next step after that? So a part of it actually was, and that's probably a smooth transition to that. Um, during that time when we were getting out of debt, I have been researching online businesses because I wanted to quit my job and you know do something location independently. And I found dropshipping and I started my first dropshipping store while I was working. So it was extra money. And um, those money, uh, that money also went to pay off the debt. So and it helped a lot. What were, what were you doing for work at that time? 
Um, just bookkeeping. Bookkeeping, okay. Mm-hmm. And what did you search for? Like, how did you find dropshipping? I searched for everything. I mean, like most people probably, you know, how to make money online, online businesses and things like that. I even tried to do, um, at that time, it was really hot, uh, iPhone apps. And I was reskinning iPhone apps, like games. So you buy the code. You don't have to actually create the code. But then you make a spin on it and you, you know, create a different story for the same game. Maybe like the movements are the same, but it would be a different game because you put a different character and background and everything else. Call it differently, market it, put it on App Store. And um, it's freemium model. So you get paid for advertising. So like instead of Flappy Bird, you had like Flappy Duck. Yep. Okay. Exactly. And did that work? Um, this was my first online income. I made like 50 bucks. <laughs> okay. But you know what? I, I bet you, you probably learned a lot from that. Yes. And did that give you some confidence too? Like, oh, okay, if I can make 50 bucks from this, maybe try something else. It, it, it was like a proof of concept that it's not a scam. It actually is possible to make money online. Dash. So I think this is the first time someone's mentioned the reskinning uh, apps. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool that we're 181 episodes in. And there's still different business models, which is fun. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's some people who do it very well, and that is their full-time oh, yeah. job. Oh, yeah. Back then, there was a lot of people doing... They would have a portfolio of apps. So, you you know, like dropshipping, you can have one store or have a portfolio of stores. Same thing there. And usually, people who did well, they would have like almost like their little empire. And they focus on apps uh, or, or on games. Yeah. Um, they were making really good money. So... How did you learn how to do it? Did you take a course? Were you watching videos? Mm, there was this guy who had a blog and I just followed it. Okay. And then how much was it to buy that the code for, for that game? Code prices were between, well, I can't remember, but I think like 150 to like 400. But let's say for 400, you would have unlimited rights. So you can have many, many, many different games out of it. For like 150, you would get just one game. Okay. So did you start with just one game? Yeah. Okay. And then how long did it take you to make some profit from it? Ooh, um, I know that, um, I remember that the initial process was really long because it's a learning curve. You still have to kind of mess with the code, learn the software. There is a special, I can't remember what it's called, but there is a software um, that you edit apps on um, and you can download it on your Mac for free uh, from the App Store. And then you have to create the developer account on the App Store. It, I think it's 90 bucks. But then you have to actually figure out, like, how do you change this file, that file? It's it's learning curve. So I think it took me a few months to even wrap my head around it. And then I published my first one. Okay. And then... And I ended up having, like, four apps, I think. I oh, probably well, made, okay. like, more than 50 bucks. But And do you still make money from that now? Or has that stopped? I stopped paying for my um, developer account. So I, you know, all the apps are gone from the App Store now. Okay. So you made back your money in advertising and then... You're yep. like, okay, that was fun, but I'm doing something it else It was now. funny that for a while, like, I would get the payments from people buying some upsells. You know, sometimes you can unlock this level or whatever from, like, Britain, Great Britain or something. It was still working. But then eventually it, it was like, okay, 50 cents here and there. Like, uh, it's not even worth it. Okay. And, and at this time, had you already moved on to the next business? Yes. I think I closed my account only, like, last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you so you spent a few months learning the reskinning game mm-hmm. literally and you're like okay this works but you couldn't 
you just couldn't see yourself wanting to invest more time in that or like what made you go into dropshipping it was time consuming and then um i was like i don't know i was not seeing me like really because i felt like i needed more developing skills like developer skills actually coding to be able to do what i wanted to do and i i tried to hire a guy from pakistan and it didn't go very well that was my first hire actually first time i tried to hire somebody and i think that scarred me it was a horrible guy and um i think he overcharged me and so i realized like i needed to know what i'm talking about and if i need to hire it out i need to give them exact instructions of what needs to be done so i felt like if i needed to continue if i wanted to continue down that path i'll have to get some more education and then but in the meantime i kept you know looking for information podcast um podcast i think just became kind of popular thing and um i think i found your podcast and i'm not sure if i found your podcast first or i found anton's course first whichever happened i don't know but it definitely gave me a push to research in that direction of e-commerce. And then I heard before that, I heard another podcast by, uh, it's called Forever Jobless. This guy has a blog somewhere in Texas. I don't know. Um, and he was talking about e-commerce too. Like he bought e-commerce stores. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should look into that. Because it seemed like, you know, almost like real business, which is eventually I wanted to have something like that. And yeah, dropshipping just clicked. Okay. And so you had... Heard my podcast. You were, how do you, and then you, at some point you joined Anton's course. Mm-hmm. And how long did it take you from joining that course to making your first sale? So I joined the course somewhere in September of 2014. And then I was excited to build the store right away, um, probably like in a couple of weeks. But then it was time to call suppliers. So I procrastinated for like a month. Why, why did you procrastinate? Uh, well, I'm Russian and my English is not really good and I have an accent. So I had a really big block calling people on the phone. Like I could not <laughs> pick up the phone and, and like, oh, hey, you know, like I have this awesome store uh, and I need suppliers. Like so I couldn't Were you it. just like mentally scared? Like even mm-hmm. before it actually happened, did you have all these kind of worst case scenarios in your in your head? Yeah, like we all do. Like uh, it was all like I felt like I was a fraud. It was not a real business. Like I, I don't have a credibility to call them. All this doubts. So I kept pushing it off as long as I could. And I don't think back then we were on the budget yet. So we put a trip to Washington D.C. on the credit card and went there for a week. And eventually, when we come, came back, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it because um, the time was coming, the holidays, and I was like, I actually have a chance to make sales. I should do it. And probably set it up within that, the next couple of weeks, called suppliers and uploaded products. I uploaded products after work, like until really late. Oh, so you still had your, your full-time job yeah, yeah, at this yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you remember those supplier calls? How, how did those, how did they go? The first one was really scary. And then I realized it's the same exact thing because I worked in the construction company. And I already dealt with people on the phone. The difference is I wasn't talking to business owners trying to get their business. They talked to me about, you know, bookkeeping, different things. Maybe they wanted my business. But it was exact same way. The communication was easy. Like after I made the first call, I realized, okay, well, I actually can do it. It's the same thing. And And did anybody even care that you had a Russian accent? No, nobody cared. I think, uh, if anything, like I got asked, like, oh, where are you from? Like, it's more curiosity and people remember you 
So it wasn't, it wasn't definitely, it wasn't a bad thing. That's cool. And I'm really proud that you, you know, even if, even if it took you a month to do it, that you didn't give up, that you went, eventually went back. Because can you imagine how different your life would be today if you just never, oh my never followed through? Yeah. I'm sure I'll eventually start something. But yeah, it would have been totally different. But I feel like every single person in the world at some point of every business has a reason, a mental reason or an excuse on why they can't, why they their specific situation is is different, you know, or that you know, it's harder for them mm-hmm. to, to move. And it's maybe even impossible for them because, you know, of X, Y, Z. Yeah. Like, or because I'm bad with computers or because, you know... I don't know how to code or you can come up with so many excuses. I I cannot talk to people on the phone. Like there is so many of them. I was actually thinking about giving up a couple more times after that. Like I already had the business, had sales, which back to sales, the first sale came in probably after within two weeks of the launch. So you picked up the phone. The first call was awkward. Didn't go yeah. anywhere. But then... No, actually all suppliers. I signed up with every. Every one even of the them. first one, even the, yeah. the okay. All of them, whoever I called, I signed up with them. I think I I emailed them first, and then I follow up, follow followed up with a call, and I follow okay. the scripts that that Anton suggested in the course, kind of tweaked them to my situation a bit, but yeah, and then followed up with with the with the phone call. The first phone call I had the script just to make sure, but for the rest of them it was fine. So I think some people right now are going to be confused on why we're calling suppliers because I think a lot of people, you know, nowadays use AliExpress to dropship. Yeah, and I think a big reason why they do it is because they don't want to have to pick up the phone and call suppliers. Yeah, it could be a big block, mental block, especially in um, in our world when we are so used to just messaging and online communication, email, not really having face to face conversations or talking to a real person. It can be challenging. But I think it's actually a benefit for people like us who get over that roadblock because it keeps out a lot of competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because literally anybody can go on AliExpress and dropship from there and everybody has the same product, same suppliers. But in our, like with the Anton method, it's really we have to get approved by the supplier, become an authorized dealer. And pretty often, you know, they stop taking new suppliers. I mean, uh, new new dropships out like mm-hmm. you know they they'll take you know x amount maybe five or maybe 10 or something and then they stop they're like okay i have enough uh i, I have enough resellers i have enough dropshippers we're, we're full yeah yeah it happens i actually have a couple uh suppliers that are dropping you know some of their online retailers just because they're you know have too many and they want to they want to streamline their business yeah and that was actually a big secret on why my stores did so well for so many years is because as soon as I got in, you know, I made sure I was one of their be- like better accounts. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. not only with sales but also just customer service. We, we you know, we weren't getting that many returns or complaints. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were following up the customers so the customer wouldn't bother them. Yeah, because that's yeah. the worst thing they want. Yeah, you know, and just like in general, just representing the brand well. You know, shipping fast, having good, uh, I guess, follow up with the customers, and then I would just tell the supply, you know, the supplier every time I talk to him, I'm like. You know, by the way, if you're, you know, if if other online only, you know, retail stores uh, want an account, can you let me know before you approve them? 
And a lot of them are like, oh, they're like, oh, you know what? We're not going to open any, you know, I don't like any other ones. We're selling through Amazon. We're selling through you. We're selling through these two other people. That's enough. Yeah. Hey, bosses. We're happy to have the all new FreshBooks as this week's sponsor. Find out more later in the show or check them out at freshbooks.com slash travel. I think it is very important to build relationship with suppliers and actually just do like good business. I have the same exact situation and a lot of my suppliers, they just love me and I've been to a few trade shows and they're, you know, impressed with how fast we reply to emails and customer service and the feedback and everything. So have you now met some of these suppliers in person? Yeah, yeah. Um, Most of them actually end up with, you know, probably like three of them. We have really good relationship. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think this is the biggest difference between, and this is why people get so confused when we talk about dropshipping is I think like, I don't know how many people are in, you know, doing which method, but majority people, at least online, are doing AliExpress. So when you say dropshipping nowadays, everyone just assumes you're shipping from China. Mm -hmm. Do you get this as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, Right now, I'm actually trying to sell my store and a lot of people ask me like, okay, dropshipping. So are you doing, you know, from China, dropshipping from China, AliExpress and stuff like that? I'm like... And it's so hard to explain to them that no, my suppliers are real companies in the US and we ship to the US and, and that's like how it a works. real business. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and actually, so that's actually one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is because I get so caught up now with, with the internet hype of everybody dropping from AliExpress mm-hmm. and everybody talking about that, that sometimes I forget how many people have actual normal, you know, US based dropshipping businesses with real suppliers in the US, you know, that are selling like real products that are good products. They're selling it for retail price. They're not, you know, shipping a $3 item from China and marking it up to $30. You know, it really, you know, the item, like what's your average um, sale price for, for, for your items? Um, I think it's kind of hovers around a thousand. Yeah. And that's high. Like that, it's, yeah. it's average ticket. Yeah. It's like average order price. And, most of the AliExpress items, I think the average order size is like $30 or something. So yeah. it's almost like two different business models. Definitely different business models. And I can see how you can be successful with AliExpress if you have unique products. Because you, you can um, get unique products from Chinese suppliers also if you do a lot of volume. And I actually recently met a guy who's doing like, I want to say $3 million a year just on AliExpress can't remember what he sells and but you know he has great business model spends like four hours a week on his on his business and you know just great great business um but also you know you have to be careful what you sell because i bought a lot of stuff from china that is well really bad quality so and it's not like you're gonna send it back because it's way too far so you're like okay twenty dollar loss yeah and i think there's definitely room for everything. And I actually, the more I do this podcast, the more people I meet that have different business models, the more I realize pretty much everything works. You know, it depends on our skill sets. Like for example, the app reskinning, that works. But do I want to do it? You know, maybe not because I'm not a programmer. Maybe that's not my, you know, my passion. Maybe that's not, you know, my skill set. There's some people who are really good at Facebook ads and they like dealing with a lot of small orders dropshipping from aliexpress might be very good for them yep. uh, while if you know especially if you're from the u.s or from like australia or some other markets uh where you know there's a big kind of you know 
people like to buy things online. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. And you want to have like a real business where you can be proud of it. You can meet your suppliers if you want to. Like you don't, ha- you know, like I didn't have to meet any of my suppliers, and you probably didn't need to go to the trade no, shows either. No, but it was it's kind of it's fun, right? Going there and meeting them in person, and be like, oh my god, this is like a I'm s- selling real products, and they don't expect it at all. They're like shocked. Oh my gosh, like you're probably like the first internet seller that we met. You know, it's awesome, and. You know, after talking for a year on the phone, it's really cool to put the face to to the voice and to the emails. Yeah, I like it. And actually, in even meeting other people part of Anand's course, the I regret not going to the Mexico retreat this year. Oh, I, I regret it so bad. I heard it was even better than Hawaii. That's just insane. So, was it the first time that we met in Hawaii last year? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but you. Okay. So. Let's let's rewind. So you you joined Anton's course. You heard my podcast. Yep. And then we met for the first time at the Dropship Lifestyle Retreat in Hawaii last year. Mm-hmm. And this year, Mexico, both of us couldn't make it for different reasons. Yeah. And I regret not going because not only do I want to check out Player.com in Mexico because I heard it's a cool nomad spot, but also it going to those live events. And I think this is why he has them. It makes it not only real for everyone, but also it's like the it reminds you that there are hun- like literally hundreds of people with real online e-commerce stores, and a lot of them are doing very well. And you just never hear about it because they're too busy just living their life and running a normal business. Exactly. It's yes, it's definitely eye-opening, and for a lot of people, for example, in Hawaii. There, there was a lot of people who just started it. and it was like a proof of concept for them to meet, you know, people who are doing it or been doing it for a while and are, you know, making decent money. For me, it was meeting people who are on the next level and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, it's possible. I need to get there. Do you remember how much you were making uh, last year oh, yeah. during Hawaii? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was around 20, 30,000 a month. Okay. Um, and Anton had that talk about scaling your store and talking about 100 and 150 a month. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's crazy. And like, at the time, did you think that was impossible? Impossible. And are we talking about uh, like revenue? So Yes, okay. yes, and sales. So but do, so for 20,000 or so, or you said 20, 25,000? Yeah, like 20, 30, it depends on the 20, month. 20, 30? About how much were you, do you think you were making a net profit then? Two, three thousand. Okay. Well, probably more sometimes, but it just depends. If some products are, you know, have higher margin, mm-hmm. and then also what kind of expenses I have. Like sometimes I would expense my travel or things like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was so extra. Around like on average three, maybe up to mm-hmm. five thousand a month in profit. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, and at the time, were you thinking this is great? This is better than working, you know, a job I hate. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, when I got to like three thousand, I was like, okay, well, I can quit my job and still be fine, and actually focus on growing the business and racking out the travel miles was great so we were like yeah flying to hawaii for free <laughs> or anywhere but then um the next level it seemed like completely impossible i did want to get to like ten thousand dollars a month but it seemed impossible yeah because that's a hundred twenty thousand dollars a year which in indiana is like you're the mayor maybe or like <laughs> <laughs> i don't know but yeah it's it's a good income for sure yeah. So okay. So you you saw these big numbers. Anton talked about scaling up, mm-hmm. and then what what changed? First of all, I took away a lot from that retreat, and then I went to another event he had in uh, Austin. Um, it was marketing, all about marketing. I took away a lot of stuff from there, and then 
just from people I met, for example, I met Ben and Corey and they helped me a lot for with just like maybe occasionally looking at my store and saying, hey, this is horrible here. Like, what are you doing? Like little things I started realizing I need SEO, which I didn't have any on my store. And I, you know, implemented that, fixed my ads, signed up with the, with the ad agency, search scientist. And I met, met Michael Erickson, who is the, the founder of the company in Hawaii also. So, you know, little things, they just started clicking. And yeah, this year um, I have like 500% growth right now. Like just this period over period, this same period of last year. That's crazy. Okay, mm-hmm. so you went from making 20, 30,000 in sales to what are you making now per month? Last month, October was the first 100K. Well, it was 109,000. That's insane. Like even just the, the travel miles on your credit card, you're like, wow, I can fly yeah, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I'm banking them. <laughs> That's so crazy. So like when you saw your first $100,000 a month, how did that feel? Oh, it was amazing. Like it, it was just so recently. So um, last week pretty much. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I saw that I was close. Last day of the month, so last day of October, I was at 98 or something like that. No, mm-mm, further away. I, I needed like, 4,000 almost in sales for that just last day of October. And um, yeah, it went over. <laughs> it was so crazy. We have this little mastermind call with the girls I met in Hawaii. And we got on the call. We did like a, a FaceTime and um, cheered. And it was it was awesome. That's so cool. And you know, that's actually another big side benefit of these in-person retreats is you meet friends that mm-hmm. you can keep in touch with that are all with the same mindset. They're all online business owners. They're all doing the same method. So you kind of understand. And I'm assuming that because you guys met each other in person and you trust each other, you you reveal your niches with them and you guys are just more open with each other. Yeah, it's big. And we are friends and it helps a lot. So now, you know, we, we can help each other with dropshipping and then also branch off into different other areas of business like real estate or... Um, other online businesses, affiliate marketing. So we talk about talk about everything. Um, That's cool. And help each other. So I'm curious, like, how does your how does your like family and your other friends like feel about like? Do you tell them like how successful you are now? Like, do they believe it? Uh yes. Well, my mom is actually my help is helping me with my bookkeeping now. So she sees all the numbers. Yeah, she's cheering with me. And is she in the U.S. or is she in Russia? In Russia. So I just taught her how to pretty much um, enter invoices and bills in my software. And I kind of, I do, you know, kind of the overseeing and sorting everything, but she does the manual entering. Because I'm assuming, you know, you mentioned earlier that you you didn't grow up in a rich, like, you know, as a, like a rich family. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if you were middle class back then. Like my my dad at some point worked for the government. He was um, in our small town, 100,000 people. He was head of real estate, so like under the mayor. But then I think at that point we were doing well. I was a teenager. But then mayor changed and everybody got fired. And it was you know, kind of, it's not, it wasn't a struggle. We always did okay. But it wasn't like we traveled, we go on vacation, you know, fl- fly somewhere to Canary Islands, you know. We would drive down south for three days, you know, <laughs> to this to the Black Sea. 
but um so it wasn't like we didn't have like a lot of extra money i went to college for free i had a um, scholarship so my parents helped me with everything they could but i ha- still had to work and now like when they see you know how much more success you've had you know like and you know the fact that in one month you guys you sold you know a hundred thousand dollars in sales which you know they like in like how many and like that must be like years of work in russia oh my gosh yes and especially now with you know the political situation it affects the financial situation in russia ruble is getting cheaper and it pretty much it dropped probably by half last year and it's still there just i don't and it's russia is very cheap to go now so if you are thinking about going to russia it's a really good time because everything is dirt cheap yeah and it was the same same thing in, in ukraine as well the grivna dropped by actually 75 percent mm-hmm. grivna even more so it's even cheaper <laughs> in ukraine now yeah it's insane uh, like sometimes you get an uber and pay like a few cents for it or go to i would go to a grocery store and i would come out with several thousand ruble bill and i'm like oh my gosh how much money did they just spent and then i check and it's like five dollars you know like not i mean i'm exaggerating but it's you know really um really affordable but um, they also are not making the inflation rate is very high so i you know when you look at the prices let's say i usually come home visit them every two years i would come back and i can't not even like calculate in my mind prices because let's say i was used to pay this amount of money for this particular product and now it's like five times more over two years you know it's huge but salaries are about the same like average salaries did not change much since i left well, do you know what the average salary is in, in maybe in u.s dollars so it's about um well in our small town i think it it, it depends let's say in moscow they do have better um, salaries but let's say in our small town it still hovers around 20,000 rubles which is um, yeah we calculated 20 divided by probably 60 rubles a dollar yeah because it changes so often now, yeah right? I, yeah I don't know now like it, I think it's around there so it's about 333 dollars a month a month yes yeah. and this is you know average let's say in a bigger city you'd probably make 50 so you know still not a whole lot considering you would pay probably if you're renting you would pay you you can easily pay 20 for a rent for an apartment downtown somewhere in the city center so like now that you're making so much more than like you ever could have imagined growing up in, in russia like when you go back you know and you you see your friends you know who are still living there having their normal lives is it like, do you see, like, what your life would have been if you didn't move to the U.S., you didn't become an entrepreneur? Yeah, and it's more, I don't really think about money when I go there. I more think about, you know, other things like the mindset, how much it changed after I moved to the United States and especially after I started the business. When I talk to, I mean, I have a lot of friends that are very successful in Russia. They have businesses and the way they run them, they run them as they have to because of all the stupid laws and the way the corrupt government works they you know have to avoid a lot of it and maybe not pay taxes somewhere or you know hide stuff it's really shady um so if you you know are successful you are kind of always trying to i don't know it's it seems like it's not straightforward to run a business in russia so i forgot about it but you know like let's say last year i visited and talk to my friends and they're just 
every idea you give them, the mindset is negative. Every Everything you talk about, people usually try to come up with a reason why it's not going to work or why it's hard. Um, and even though there is a lot of brilliant entrepreneurs and brilliant minds in Russia, there is a lot of pessimism be- just because of probably environment right now. You know, it's not just Russia. It was exactly the same in the Ukraine, but it's also very similar in the U.S. Like how many people do you know in the U.S. that, you know, they find out that, you know, you've been successful with online business. And when you mention to them, they're like, oh, that's great for you, but I can't do it because my situation is different. Yeah, yeah, I can see that, but um, not that often. I mean, I just, here it's still like, people in the U.S. are very positive that tomorrow is going to be better than yesterday or today. And, you know, if you want... Your husband's shaking his head. I think you're definitely right compared to... Compared to the mentality in Russia. Definitely compared to Russia. My dad said something and it almost made me cry. Like he said something along the line, like we were talking about future and like my business and like what my life and stuff. And he was talking, they run a business with my mom right now. And he's like, well, it's all going to stay like this. Like, it's not going to get any better. Like, why do you say that? Why not? Like, well, you, you can, you know, invest in marketing, advertising, move to a different city, bigger market. I don't know, something. But it's just the way the, the mindset is. So I noticed a big change in, in my mindset, and I'm grateful for that. And I think that's a huge reason why you've become successful is because of the mindset. Probably, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, even like... This is why I'm so happy to have people like you on the show is because then people can hear your story and realize, you know, you didn't grow up in this special way, you know, where everything was handed to you. You know, mm-hmm. you, you had the same struggles everyone else has. Everyone else has roadblocks too. You know, everybody else, you know, risks their own money and their time. And, you know, you have to do things that you don't want to do, like call suppliers or, you know, uh, work after work, mm-hmm. stay up late, uploading products and not knowing if you're ever going to get a sale you know spend money on advertising or the or the apple's developers license and invest in yourself as a you know it really is a kind of a gamble of not knowing hey is it going to work or not yeah and really the best thing that we can do for these people is share our stories on how we did it and that it's possible because i guarantee if you google you know online or if you go on reddit or on these facebook groups there for every one person who is successful that even takes the time to respond to these people, you have a hundred people saying, oh, you, sh- you know, e-commerce doesn't work anymore. You know, it's, you know, maybe four years ago it worked, but, you know, now Joshua Mean doesn't work anymore. Right. And it's insane. It's crazy because e-commerce only keeps growing. I don't yeah. know what the numbers are, but every year you, you look at reports and it just keeps growing like crazy. I mean, and there is so many untapped markets. Um, U.S. market is pretty saturated, but there is so much potential. You look at all these big box stores closing because they switched to online retail. Uh, and then it's just going to, the trend is going to continue. So all these niches, you know, yeah, there is competition, but there is still room. For everybody. Yeah, and definitely people buy more and more things online now. Yeah. Like even yeah. big items that are $1,000. And like not even talking about other markets like UK, Australia. Yeah, I know some people are starting there, but there, there's far less competition. Or Russia. Like I was really thinking about doing dropshipping in Russia. There are a lot of roadblocks to that, which is why I kind of put it on pause for now. <laughs> Just with people and people don't have money really. I mean, some people do, but 
shipping and everything. But I think it is, I mean, a huge opportunity. Every single country, eventually, we are going to be buying everything online. Yeah, and I, I feel the exact same way where right now it's definitely easier in established countries like mm-hmm. US, probably Canada, definitely Australia, uh, Sweden, lots of Europe, where people are used to buying things online. People are yeah. used to using credit yeah. cards. But I will guarantee that eventually every country in the world is going to buy the majority of the things online and dropshipping or e-commerce is going to work everywhere. I I know for sure that there are going to be millionaires who are going to be made in Asia, in Russia, yeah. in India, you know. I don't know if I was Indian, if I'd want to be the one jumping through all the hoops to figure out how to do it and be the first yeah. one to do it. Yeah. But at the same time, the person who does is probably going to become very rich. Like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what's funny is uh, even with with Anton's course, the first year we had a in person meetup, it was in in uh, Chiang Mai, and then it was in Krabi, and then it was in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So the first year there were no Australians who who were there. Everyone was you know American or Canadian or some people from Europe, mm-hmm. and just the consensus online was dropshipping doesn't work in Australia because shipping is so expensive and yeah. You know, there's no uh, minimum advertised price policy and things like that. And when people would ask me, I would say, well, I don't know. I'm not Australian, you know, like, you know, yeah, they're probably right. It probably doesn't work. I can, mm-hmm. that makes sense. And then the very next year, there were 20 Australians who were all doing really well. They're all selling more than 20,000 a month. Yeah. And I was like, did, is it like just one person figure it out? And then everyone else is like, oh, if, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. Probably, because I remember in Hawaii, John Warren, the guy who talked about outsourcing, yeah, he was doing, his store was doing really well. He had several employees. He paid 20 grand a month or a year each. So, I mean, it it's possible. Yeah, you just need to figure it out. In Russia, it would be challenging with shipping, with payment processing, the trust factor from people, because there is a lot of spam on the internet. Like still, you know, you go to this website and you're not sure if you're going to get a virus hack or whatever. Random pop-ups asking you for your phone number, send you text messages. I don't know. It's still like, I don't even go to the Russian internet. Um, so that's another roadblock. And um, But eventually somebody's going to figure it out. People buy stuff online already. Like my brother is... 21, 22 years old, um, have a cousin of the same age. They buy stuff, buy most of their clothes online, but from UK, you know. So somebody's going to fill that niche in Russia. Yeah, definitely. And you, you can either think of it as an opportunity or we can think of it as an excuse and why we shouldn't do it. I, I think it's an opportunity, but I, my excuse right now is like financial situation is not bad or is not good there. So probably, you know, like, but. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't want to be the one to try to figure it out right now either. Because to me, it's like, for sure, it's going to be a lot of work, a lot of effort with the potential of becoming the next Amazon yeah, yeah. and making $100 million or, you know, it like I, I end up just getting buried in work and bureaucracy and BS, you know. So for me personally, unless I wanted to dedicate my life to trying to make the next you know billion dollar company, I wouldn't do it. I would wait for someone else to pave pave the path, and then I would jump in. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I'd probably wait for a little bit, unless somebody you know wants to. I would probably do it with a partner, like you know, 
who who would probably it almost need to be there and like to visit your suppliers before you even sign up for them because it's all about relationships and you can't just email somebody or talk on the phone and and you know oh hey you know i'll send me the product or send it to my customers and i'll pay you it's it's a little bit more complicated so yeah you it has to be done there yeah i could definitely see that uh so one of the speakers we had at the first nomad summit i think in 2015 or something was a russian girl mm-hmm. named natalie who drop ships commodities from russia <laughs> From Russia? From Russia. Because that's what Russia does. We sell commodities. <laughs> yes. So she sells sugar and wood. <laughs> How? Exactly what you mentioned. She basically, like, when, when she was in Russia, she was from Siberia. Yeah. She would meet, you know, these these people or these businesses that have sugar or, mm-hmm. or wood. Yeah. And then she would find people online in different, co- in different countries that want to buy eight tons of sugar. <laughs> That's and awesome. She, you know, it's, it's not like she's the one moving it. She just sends, just like how we drop ship, you know, furniture or, or, or other items. She sends an email and says, uh, can you send 20 tons of sugar to this address? And they send it. This is awesome. And does she have to do all the like import expert things? Yeah. So she has a ton of bureaucracy and BS. Okay. And yeah. So, so she j- figured out that channel. But she figured it out. Yeah. And, you know, because of it, she's rich. That is cool. <laughs> yeah. My mom used to sell uh, lumber. Yeah, see? There you go. <laughs> maybe your mom can start drop shipping lumber to the US. <laughs> maybe. She knows all the suppliers. <laughs> there you go. Like, so, I love how there's... Now we're just thinking about opportunities. I love it. Yeah. I used to sell pipe when I was in Russia. Metal pipe. pipe. Metal pipes. Okay. Mm-hmm. See? It all works. And all suppliers. <laughs> so, uh, before we go, I, I think people are curious, how, how did you end up here on the Canary Islands? Well, um, I was looking for an alternative to Mexico where we can spend the winter with my husband. So someplace warm, affordable, and that doesn't have a Zika virus. And Canary Islands, um, I heard about this place on Johnny's podcast. So it was, yeah, your podcast that kind of, you know, reminded me that that exists because I knew about Canary Islands from Russia. It's popular kind of vacation destination from, from Russia. But I actually didn't even know what it's called in English. I know Kanarski Ostrova, Canary Islands. So I looked it up. It seemed, you know, doable. And we flew to uh, Spain, to Barcelona first, spent the week there, and now we're here. That's very cool. And what's funny is you're the second person on this podcast. Uh, Megan was the first from, I think, two weeks ago, who also heard the episode, with, which was probably with me and Chris the Freelancer, right? Is that the one? Um, you know, I don't know which one exactly. I think you were just talking, uh, yeah, to a guy somewhere in Ukraine. Oh, no. Maybe that was even before. Okay. I think. I don't know uh, which one. Or maybe, like, I heard about it first, and that kind of put me in the thinking about it. And then I realized I can't go to Mexico. And I started looking for other places to go, and all this Thailand and Bali and all this, like, you know, places you yeah. usually would go were off the map for me. Um, Europe was the place I could go, but and I thought maybe Portugal, but it was too cold during like December, and we are staying until December. Yeah, and then Canary Islands popped up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's, that's probably the place to go. Yeah. And I heard more about it after you got here, and I booked a flight. It's perfect. So yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome that this podcast is bringing friends and listeners to. 
the Canary Islands to Grand Canary. Uh, if you guys want to check out a blog post on it, go to johnnyfd.com. I'm going to be writing full blog post on the pros and cons of Grand Canary and why I think maybe it could be the next Chiang Mai. Anastasia, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. If uh, people want to follow you online or on Instagram, do you use it? Um, Instagram, yeah. It's open. It's anastasia.travel. Okay. Very cool. We'll have that in the show notes of episode 181. And if you want to check out Anton's course that we are both a member of, you can use my link if you want to give me credit for sending you. And it's antonmethod.com. Thanks, guys. And I'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.